On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some disappointed guy that the Texans did not make a trade at the trade deadline, Hickman. I know that was kind of long and different, but this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports, parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another draft, another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for each and every game day, no matter how we watch it. Guys, Pepsi is the fresh you need to power through game day because Pepsi is not made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Today is Wednesday, the day after the trade deadline. And, you know, obviously that's what we're going to discuss today because, you know, going around up until the deadline came uh, to pass, it seemed like there may have been an opportunity for the Green Bay Packers and Will Fuller to coexist with one another via trade, but that did not happen. And we're going to talk about that uh, on today's episode, why that did not happen. Uh, the outlook of the Texans not making the trade, what that means for them and not making any trades. And also what the NFL really proposing uh, a 16 team playoff seating, eight teams for both sides. Will we have an opportunity or a chance to maybe go nine and seven and get a playoff game in a, a wild card game. So that's going to be a very interesting discussion. Well, Cody, I want to go ahead and pass it over to you and let's discuss the outlook of this team not making a trade before the deadline. Well, despite holding a so-called fire sale, the Texans did not make any moves ahead of the NFL trade deadline on yesterday. Am I surprised by that? No. But am I disappointed? Yes. Now, a lot of people are disappointed that the Houston Texans did not make any moves because they need draft capital. This is a team that's not drafting until the third round, which means there's a good possibility that they might miss out on a variety of talented players in this upcoming 2021 draft. However, on the flip side of things, I'm looking at this from a financial standpoint with the Houston Texans, because right now heading into the offseason, this team only has somewhere between 17 to 20 million dollars in cap space, one of the lowest in the league. And there is nothing the Houston Texans can do heading into the offseason. An offseason, by the way, they're going to try to restore the talent that was lost. You really can't do nothing with the small amount of cap space that the Houston Texans have. And that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to see the Texans make some moves, because if they did, that would have put them in a position where they could have got off a lot of these expensive contracts. You take a look at three players who was on the trading block with the merciless Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks. I didn't see a situation where Houston was going to be able to trade all three of those guys. But in an event that they did, the Texans could have been in a situation where they could have freed up somewhere between 25 to 30 million dollars in cash space. Now, of course, that probably would have hovered around the 20 million dollar cash space mark, because anytime you're trading guys, you have to take on other people contract. But 
you could have got off a lot of expensive contracts. And that is one of the main reasons why I am disappointed about the Texans not making no kind of moves at the trade deadline. You know, honestly, I think they really believe that they can make a push. And I think, honestly, if you are in this position of, you know, signing Laramie Tunsil, Deshaun Watson, Zach Cunningham, bringing in and overpaying uh, either free agents or keeping guys on your roster like the Whitney Merciless, considering J.J. Watt's contract and what you want to get out of him for this year, next year, and with the possibility of what the NFL is trying to do to make up for the losses of the COVID-19 season we're having with adding two extra teams with an extra team uh, i think houston really believes they can make a push and i think houston believe that if they're going to make a push they're going to have to do it with the guys that has been there this season through the suffrage a cal mcnair said on 16 that he believes that they could do something we're going to see where we where we are don't write this season over with yet you know you, you know how it goes when you're trying to convince uh, other people of things you're trying to convince yourself of. But after not making any move, when I'm sure there were moves out there that could have been made outside of Will Fuller, to me, it seems maybe they feel like they are going to make a real run at making the playoffs. And I'm sure that the NFL will go with that 16 game, sorry, that 16 uh, team playoff with eight on East division, I'm sorry, East conference that'll do wonders for Houston. They'll put them in a position where they can take that AC. Kind of funny, the race for the eight in the NFL. We've never had that before, right? But overall, I think the outlook is they believe. Well, there's nothing wrong with believing. But here's the problem. You're still sticking with the same guys who started off the season one in six. And let's say, for example, if the NFL do extend the playoffs to 16 teams and the Texans still believe they have a chance to salvage this season and possibly make the postseason, you're still going to be dealing with the same less talented team. You're still going to be dealing with the same issues, the issues that played you with stopping the run, the issues that played you in the secondary, the, the issues coming out of the backfield. By not making a trade, you can say that this team did not get worse, but at the end of the day, they didn't get no better. It's definitely concerning, right? And I think the most concerning aspect of it is what is going to be different in the next nine games that we haven't that we haven't seen before? What is going to be different about our major concerns, right? So let's break them down. What's going to be different about the running back situation? What's going to be different about the secondary? What's going to be different about the tackling? Well, what's going to be different about the consistency, but not making the trade will also kind of add to some of those problems. And we, we, we discussed yesterday about seeing more of Duke Johnson, seeing more of Scotty Phillips, seeing more of the possibility of Buddy Howell. We're going to start this. Well, we already started the conversation of players. We want to see more of in certain positions, running back. We're going to go to uh, the secondary next. So they're not going to make a trade. They're going to stick with the guys they have because ultimately they believe that either A, that's the best way for us to make the run, or B, if we bring in somebody, that's going to throw off the chemistry. But I don't think we were necessarily looking for somebody to come in. I think we were just looking for somebody to go out in order to get something back in return for the draft. Maybe outside of Will Fuller, they didn't see anything on 
on the table that was very interesting and felt like it wasn't worth giving up, or it was in a position where if you trade this player, you jeopardize making that uh, a priority need for next year. And if that's the case, I totally understand it. Uh, but it just seems like the, the majority of the news that we heard for Houston was centered around Will Fuller going or not going to the Green Bay Packers. And so we have to really discuss why or why not and how that could have really helped and boosted this team. So we're going to discuss that coming up next, the Will Fuller trade situation. But before we do, Cody, can you uh, bow your head, please? I got to say a prayer. I just want to pray that Jonathan Joseph, who was released by the Tennessee Titans, does not come back to Houston. Oh, he coming. I no, <laughs> he coming. I know. I know you guys are thinking, hey, well, we have Philip Gaines. It could be no worse. It doesn't matter if <laughs> I don't want the lesser of two bads right now. You know, Jonathan Joseph is, I think he's going on 122 years old, give or take. But he is somewhat still productive than what the Houston Texans secondary he, is going There's a right reason now. why he was Outside, released. Maybe, I'd, I'd maybe repping the Houston Texans give him some type of secret superpower we don't know about. I would rather continue to go with Vernon Hargraves um, than Jonathan Joseph. But I will say he does have an interception this year against who? The Jacksonville Jaguars, which is who we are taking on Sunday. I don't want him back. You know, seriously, he's very old. And uh, Jonathan Joseph is one of those Texans great but I don't see the need of bringing him in right now. I do see the need of talking about Will Fuller and, man, how that trade would have been huge for Houston and the GM that they're going to possibly bring in and how, you know, that second rounder would have been lovely, but why it did not happen. We're going to talk about that next. And this football season will be a little bit different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through the game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans like you and I, like the entire world, especially after Thursday night football game, we're the real generational town of that Pepsi fuels, right? We don't go out there on the field. We may not catch passes, but we are the passionate fans. And because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch the game. Pepsi, made for football watching. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Locked On Texans, only on the Locked On Podcast Network, Cody Davis Johnson, sports guy Hickman. After nearly two weeks of speculation, Will Fuller will remain a Texan for the remainder of the season. And as you guys know, several teams around the league had their eyes set on making a move for the 26-year-old receiver, but none more so than the Green Bay Packers, who were desperately trying to add another receiver alongside Devontae Adams. The Texans and the Packers were in talks for a while, even before Tuesday's deadline, but they could not come to an agreement. And the issue revolved around finding a fair value for Fuller services, and it's easy to understand why it was an issue. When you look at the failed trade of Fuller, there are two sides to this equation. And John, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with the Texan side of things. It basically goes back to Romeo Cannell's statement on Monday about not giving anyone away for a bag of peanuts. The Texans wanted a second round pick in a deal for Fuller, and they had every right to hold every team, especially the Green Bay Packers, to that high of a standard. So far this season, Fuller has been their most productive receiver through the first seven games. He has finally proven, finally proven that he can stay healthy, 
make sure you knock on wood on that one. And he is on pace for a career year. And I also believe the relationship between him and Deshaun Watson played another factor into the Texans placing such a high value on Fuller. Because think about it. This organization had already gave up Deshaun Watson's best target and gave up one of his closest friends in DeAndre Hopkins. This organization could not afford to make Watson even more unhappy by Dylan Fuller. Now, do I believe that would have resulted in Deshaun Watson demanding a trade out of Houston? No, I do not, especially after he signed that big contract. But you want to make sure that you keep your franchise quarterback happy. If Houston was able to get a first or a second round back, I am pretty sure Watson possibly would have been a little bit more accepting to the trade versus they would have gotten anything less. However, on the flip side of things, John and listeners, I understand why the Packers were so split on making a move for Will Fuller. And it goes back to almost everything that I said on yesterday's show. Sure, they could have easily sent over a second rounder, but talking about Will Fuller, there's just too many uncertainties surrounding the guy. Had Green Bay sent over a second round pick, they might not have gotten equal value for his return. Yes, he has played all seven games so far this season, but that does not erase his injury-prone stigma that's possibly going to follow him for the rest of his career. Plus, and more importantly, he could possibly be an end-of-the-season rental because his contract is up at the end of the year. And Will Fuller could basically walk out the door and leave Green Bay high and dry. Given all the uncertainties, Green Bay felt it was more acceptable for them to send over a fourth or a fifth round pick in a potential deal for Fuller. However, they wasn't the only ones because nearly every team who called to talk about a potential deal for Will Fuller, they felt the same as the Green Bay Packers. Well, before I dive into the Will Fuller situation with Green Bay, you know, Cal McNair did say that you may see some moves, little moves over the weekend, but overall, we like our guys. And so that kind of goes back to the first segment of discussing the outlook of Houston and the, the non-trades that were made. Uh, but also, it, it speaks to Will Fuller. Houston liked Will Fuller. They picked up his fifth-year option before the year even started. They believed that, especially with trading DeAndre Hopkins, he was going to be one of those guys that were already here. So he was a glue guy and was going to be able to bring this receiving core up to speed because Deshaun Watson would be able to trust him. We also heard from Romeo Cornell about not trading for peanuts. And so to bring it right back around, I thought that – the trade for Will Fuller would have been perfect for this team. It gives you an opportunity to scout the second round. Uh, and it, it would have been a later second round pick because Green Bay will make the playoffs. So it would have been in the mid to high 20s. But you would be able to scout for some of those guys that fell out of the first round uh, or just scout for some of those talented guys. And to give you guys some more uh, background on the Will Fuller situation, the Texans held multiple discussions with teams, including the Green Bay Packers, about wide receiver Will Fuller. The only Texan move that was made was the trade for Eli Anku to the Dallas Cowboys in exchange for a seventh-round draft pick. Right, And to continue with what we know about uh, this Will Fuller situation was the Packers also wanted the Texans to pay a portion of Will Fuller's salary in proposed trade. That and a disconnect on the draft pick compensation uh, was what really led to no deal. So Houston was actively trying to make the deal done. 
But if it wasn't worth it, if you wasn't going to get back what you thought you deserved from a player um, like in Will Fuller, who's going to a situation in Green Bay where they kind of need him, right? And that's that has has been the deciding factor for Will Fuller and Green Bay this entire time. Green Bay needs Will Fuller. Houston needs that draft pick. Uh, throughout the day, we also received news that trading for Will Fuller was something half of the organization wanted to do, but the other half didn't. And I also wonder which half did not want to do that and how you, you're you you're really kind of jeopardizing Aaron Rodgers and what he can do by only giving him that one talented weapon in Devontae Adams. The Packers was at a crossroad themselves, and so it, it's really kind of funny how these trade things work out, especially in the NFL where they kind of keep a lot of that undercover. In the NBA, you know, the players come out and they, and they can say, I want to be traded, or they, they can force themselves out on social media, in the media, however they want to do it. The NFL normally kind of keeps a lot of these things under wrap. And so to hear that Houston and Green Bay almost had a match made in heaven for one another fall through really sucks. But it goes back to this one statement that I made, Cody, and it's coming from the top of the food chain when we look at the Houston Texans organization. Cal McNair said he likes his players. The season isn't over. We're not done yet. You can't write it. And they believe that they can make a real push. And to keep a guy around like Will Fuller, um, and you didn't get back what you thought you deserved, so you keep Will Fuller in place, who's having a very good season, really speaks to the culture that they're trying to build right now in the midst of a one to six season. Well, now that you know the Texans are going to keep Fuller throughout this season, what is the likelihood they're going to be able to resign him? And not only that, how much money do you invest in a player who is always dealing with injuries? These are the type of questions the Texans are going to have to answer when talking about keeping Fuller beyond this year. How much will Will Fuller asking price will be from the Texans? Do you pay him like a top tier receiver? Do you by any chance franchise tag him in hopes of him proving his worth yet again next season? It's going to be a very difficult situation for the Texans. I just told you guys that Houston is possibly going to be playing with $20 million in the caspate next year. Do you let him take 50% of that in resigning him? Do you let him take 60 40% of that in resigning him? So instead of trading him, the Houston Texans put themselves in a position where now they are the ones stuck answering these questions. All of those are valid questions. Uh, I think Houston and Will Fuller will come to agreement. I don't believe he would get top-tier money because he hasn't played like a top-tier receiver. And uh, one thing Houston cannot afford is to overpay. And I don't think anybody is going to overpay for Will Fuller. I think a fair deal for Will Fuller because of his production, his injury history, and his his ability to be one of those X factors, I think is a four-year deal between 48 to $52 million. I think that's fair for Will Fuller. And uh, I think they get that deal worked out and done. Nobody's going to overpay for him. Um, He's having a phenomenal year. We want him to continue to have that phenomenal year. So does the Texans because they believe, Cody, that if 8C playoff works out in their favor, then they can make it. I told you guys about Bill Bar, how great Bill Bar is, but also left out some very important details that you need to know. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six new flavors, which includes my favorite, the caramel brownie, along with the cookies and cream. My grandmother loves that one. 
They still have the 12 original flavors, the raspberry, the German chocolate, along with the peanut butter. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And this is for the healthy, conscious guy like myself who wants to lose weight but doesn't want to give up a lot of the sweets, right? You can lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and great for a keto diet. And here's another thing Bill Bar is doing for their customers right now. You get a free cooler with the purchase while supplies last, which is only for a few weeks or so. So, so go ahead and hop on that right now. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your next order. As mentioned several times throughout this episode of Locked On Texans, the league is considering a 16-team playoff seeding in an event multiple games are lost due to the COVID-19 pandemic. If passed, the 2020 postseason will expand to eight teams per conference. However, if this passed, what is the likelihood that the Houston Texans can actually go out and make a push for that eight and final playoff seed? As of right now, the Texans are 14th in the AFC conference and the Las Vegas Raiders actually hold that eighth and final seed with a four and three record. Other teams who are currently ahead of the Houston Texans at this time are the Cincinnati Bengals, the New England Patriots, and the Denver Broncos. However, when we get closer to the back half of the second half of the season, I'm pretty sure all three of those teams that I just named will begin to tank in order to position themselves for a top 10 pick in next year's NFL draft. Houston has an easy schedule and to make things even better two of those opponents that I just named the Bengals and the Patriots the Houston Texans will take on in the second half of the season so John if the NFL passed this proposal <laughs> what's the likelihood after starting one in six we can honestly see the Houston Texans make the postseason because to be honest with you I think Houston has a chance so the first thing Houston has to do is start this journey of having an opportunity to even get the eight seed on Sunday by taking on the one and six Jaguars. And then they go to the Cleveland Browns who sits at five and three and then the two or five Patriots. And then we also look at the, the three and four lions, the five and two Colts, the five and three bears. And I mean, we got to play the Colts in two out of the, the three weeks of that. So they play the Colts again, the Bengals who's very good. And then the five and two Titans, how many of those teams do we trust Houston to beat? Do we trust Houston to beat the Browns? I think that's a winnable game for Houston. Do we trust Houston to beat the Patriots? I think that's a winnable game for Houston. And so if they win the Jags, the Browns, and the Patriots, I think all of those are very winnable games. They will sit at four and six if those uh, games play out in their favor. But the problem is they can win those games – Right. But everybody else around him is still winning. And so if we look at the Oakland Raiders, sorry, the Vegas Raiders, who you mentioned currently sits at the AC, correct? Mm-hmm. They sit at the AC. Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns are the seven seed. But the Raiders now have to go and take on a Charger team that blows leads in the fourth quarter, a Broncos team that is banged up everywhere, that take on the Chiefs. They take on the Falcons, who blows games in the fourth quarter. They take on the, oh my gosh, the Jets. They take on the Chargers, who blows games in the fourth quarter. They take on the Colts, Dolphins. A lot of those games are very winnable for the uh, Raiders. While the Houston Texans are still winning games, 
the Raiders are still winning games. I presume that the Browns will still win games. I presume that the uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts will hold on to their six seed, which will put them in a wild card position if the NFL decides against adding the two extra teams. So the possibility of them making the playoffs, it depends on so much. And we know that on any given Sunday, anything can happen, but I just don't see it happening. This is my opinion. I don't see it happening. I don't see them actually making a push for the playoffs because everybody else is going to continue to still be better. Mm, I got to disagree. I, I can actually see it happening. And I think if the Houston Texans do some way, somehow find their mojo in the second half of the season, I can see a situation where that eight and final seed is going to come down between them and the Las Vegas Raiders. Now the Raiders do have a favorable schedule. I mean, it's, it's probably a little bit more easy than the Houston Texans have right now. So that's why I believe there is a slimmer hope that the Texans can actually make it as an eight seed. But once again, they have to find a way to start winning games. Once again, that's part of the reason why it was crucial for them to make some kind of trade. Because when you step out on that field on Sunday to resume your season, you still have the same problems you had prior to the bye week. You still have the same problems. You're still playing with the same guys who ended up in this one in six situation. What brings this whole entire show back around in one big circle, what's going to be different with the Houston Texans in the second half of the season? Nobody knows. What they showed us for, through these first seven games is the fact that they can only beat the Jacksonville Jaguars and they can possibly be an explosive team, but they're not consistent. And I say this every single week. It's not a consistency problem that the Texans have. It's the lack of talent that this team have. So it's going to be interesting, like I say. But at the end of the day, we cannot look beyond the Jacksonville Jaguars because we still have to take them on this Sunday in Jacksonville. And if they win this game, that can possibly put them in a position where they, you can say, okay, maybe they can start finding their mojo and maybe that can carry over against the Cleveland Browns and the New England Patriots. Because if they win, if they win against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Cleveland, the loss against Odell Beckham, I do believe, is really going to start affecting this team. You're looking at a situation where they can possibly reel off four games in a row before they take on the Indianapolis Colts. I know Detroit is a little bit better. That's our Thanksgiving game. I know Detroit is a little bit better this season, but at the end of the day, there are still a Detroit Lions. So this game on Sunday, I know it's against a, a, a team that's worse than Houston, but they have to make sure they go in there and take care of business. They go inside Jacksonville, take care of business. Don't just win. Find your mojo that can carry you over into the second half of the season. And they should. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to start rookie QB Jake Lutton. So the Texans should have a game plan to not only stop this offense and stop this defense, but they should have a game plan to put their players in position in order to get that mojo going like you speak of. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook, along with subscribing to the Locked On Texans podcast on all the major podcasting platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.
You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.